Amen. I love that song. We crawl out. We call out to dry bones. Come alive. Come alive. And through God, all things are possible. Amen. You believe that? And then in Christ alone, shoot that thing. If that doesn't get you excited, you need to get saved, man. I'm telling you what, those, some of those words are just so stinking powerful. And I'm so grateful for our worship team and the great job they do. Amen? Aren't we blessed? We really are. So thanks so much. And you didn't hear me, but, but before we do our, our church thing tonight, uh, we, we do the prayer thing. And I pray for our technical team. Uh, the fact these folks are willing to come out every week and be here for that also. So we're just very, very blessed with the crew that we have uh, to make all of this possible. And we're very thankful. Well, here we are in week number two of our series, Rethinking Church for Today. Rethinking Church for Today. And uh, last week we talked about how God had mashed the reset button. And then tonight we want to look at, today we want to look at the idea and the thought that God has called us to realign. To realign. So I hope you'll get the worship app out. It's posted and ready to go. Get that thing out. Get on your electronic device. Go to the lower right corner. Hit that and then go up there to events and you'll find all the information, all the sermons and all the quotes and that stuff um, that you need for the message. So hope you will do that. So, so here we are. You know, one of the biggest, I like stories, you know. I, I like stories. God has done some really cool things um, through our lives, in our lives, Gina and I's lives. But one of the coolest things he did, Brent, here at Dorisville was this. Yes, Bill. Now, I don't know when we started looking. It was early on, two, 2004 maybe, 2003. We started realizing we need to build a building. Now, I'll keep this short. It's a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. But you need to hear it if you've never heard it. And if you lived it, you need to hear it again. Um, so anyway, so we voted as a church to build a sanctuary. And, and that's just a single logical thing. We need electric, sanctuary space. And so we, we're going to build a sanctuary, have some classrooms, a kitchen, and a fellowship hall. And uh, so we went to an architect, explained to him what we wanted, told him our budget was about $1.7 million, somewhere right around there. And uh, he said, no problem. I won't take you down a road you can't afford, he said. And so several, uh, we met him several times, and then he comes and takes us down there, and here's this magnificent building. I mean, it was just beautiful. And he showed us all the cool things about it. And we're going, we're all ooing and on and drooling on ourselves and all that. And then someone, and I'm not sure who had the courage, finally said, well, what is, what is the cost for this? He said, $3.4 million. And we all looked at one another and said, $3.4 million. We, we, we said our budget was one point seven. And you said you wouldn't take us down a road that we couldn't afford, you know. And, you know, the guy never had, he never gave us an answer. He had no problem taking our $75,000, but he never gave us an answer. Well, well, we tried to cut it back. We did away with carpet. You know, we almost got it down to a pole barn. And the bottom line was we couldn't afford it. And, and, then, and then on top of that, all this while, steel is going up. There was some deal going on with China and steel. They were taking all the steel to China, and it kept going higher and higher and higher. And so finally, we were wise enough to say, you know, we just need to wait. We just need to pause. Something's not right here. Something's not right. We just need to stop and see if God's got something else for us in a while. Well, it was a while, and it wasn't very long, a couple, three months maybe. We were at a business meeting, I think, and that's the way I remember it now. And someone raised their hand and said, hey, have y'all thought about building a multi-purpose building? 
And we kind of looked at one another and said, well, no, we never really thought about that. And so we went to the contractor, uh, bypassed the architect, went straight to the uh, contractor and did a design build and uh, told him what we kind of had in mind. And what you're sitting is, is the end result of that. And it came in about $1.8 million, I think, right around there. And, and the bottom line is, is that we have used this building in incredible ways. We moved in on Easter Sunday, 2006. So 14 years, a little bit more, Brent, we've been in here. And literally, now listen, and literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have passed through this building. Whether it be through worship, whether it be through funerals, whether it be Bible school, whether it be judgment house, back to school, whatever it was, people have passed through this. But here's the deal. We would have missed it. We would have built a sanctuary that would have used about two and a half hours a week, okay, when God had something bigger and better and came and gave us this, this wonderful tool that we have now that we use even in the COVID. Here we are still using it. So it's just been a wonderful, wonderful story of God realigning our world. And sometimes God mashes reset and sometimes God causes us to realign our plans. And so we want to talk about tonight. Now, now last week, you may or may not remember, was a pretty difficult scripture because it talked a lot about judgment and, and just discipline uh, from God upon these folks because for 16 years they sat around and did nothing, okay? And, and next week you're going to hear a little bit more of that and a whole different approach as we finish Haggai up. But this week is just so encouraging, so if you'll take your Bibles and look to Haggai chapter 2, we're going to skip the first two verses because it just introduces the major players again. we got Zerubbabel and we've got Joshua and, of course, we've got Haggai. They're, they're back again this week, and he introduces them again um, in verse number 1 and verse number 2. But we want to jump in with verse number 3, and God asks the most interesting question. In fact, I guarantee you, even tonight, okay, all right, there is a group of people, and we'll just identify with this. We'll go, oh, yeah, and I'm one of them, and I'm one of them, okay? So, so it goes like this. In verse number three, the first part, he says, does anyone remember? Does anyone remember this house, um, this temple, in its former splendor? Now, now you, got, you might need just a little bit of reminder. Um, when they came back from... from Babylon, okay, and, and they, I don't know what they expected. They probably didn't expect what they got. Um, perhaps they were expecting at least something to live in, perhaps part of the temple remaining, the walls remaining, but as it was, there was nothing. It was all rubble. It was all rubble. The walls were torn down, the city was burned down, and the temple was completely destroyed. Um, but, but they were so excited to be home. They were so excited to be home. And so, so they start building the foundation of the temple. And then things went south, and, and they got put on pause. And for 16 years, they did basically nothing. So, so all they've got really right now, and, and we heard last week, they started rebuilding the temple at the end of last week's message. Okay, So, so now God asks this interesting question. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? Do you, do you remember? He says, no, not this temple, not, not the foundation. But do you remember what Solomon did? Do you remember how awesome it was? I grabbed a couple of verses like 2 Chronicles 2.5 that says this. This is Solomon speaking. He says, this must be a magnificent temple. This must be a magnificent temple. 
Because our God is greater than all other gods. So Solomon says, we have got to build one magnificent temple because we serve a magnificent God. So it had to be amazing. And it was. And it was. In 2 Chronicles 2.9, Solomon says, an immense amount of timber will be needed. An immense amount of timber will be needed. For the temple I am going to build will be very large and magnificent. And we know his father David had just amassed tons of wealth. Tons of wealth. Tons of wealth. And provided almost, almost all the funding for the temple before Solomon even took over. So this thing really was magnificent. And God asked the question and says, Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in all its splendor? And you know there are people going, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and there's got to be people in this room, okay, people online, on Facebook, maybe on the radio, you know, who are going, do you remember when there's a different world? Maybe like the, the 1950s. I don't really, I was born in 54, so I don't really remember the 50s, but I remember the early 60s and how the world was so different. How that the Judeo-Christian values were so strong. Um, terms like same-sex marriage would have been absolutely nothing. Uh, homosexuality was, was something that existed, obviously, but again, was not even discussed in, in mixed company. I mean, it's just a different, different world. It really was. And then slowly over time, it's all changed. It's all changed. And we find ourselves going, do, do, do you remember a time? Do you remember a time? Now, some, if you're my age, do you remember a time when the church was the center of the community? Do you remember that? You got it. Here, here's what happened. You went, well, you shouldn't have gone, but there would be people who go to the bar on, on Saturday night, stumbling drunk at midnight, and still got up and went to the church because that's what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do. Um, the, the, the church was the middle of everything. You, you remember the, do you remember the times that when there was no sports on Wednesday night? Do you remember that? Absolutely. I was here, Brent. When I came here in 2000, there was no sports on Wednesday night. It was a protected night. And my goodness, you didn't think about doing sports on Sunday. You didn't even think about it. And you look at those things like that and you kind of go, well, I long for that. Well, let's just fast forward now. Let's just go all the way past that. And now we go, Dwayne, do you remember we used to run 320 on a Sunday morning? Dwayne, you remember we, you know, back in the early 2000s, we, we, we even run 320 in Sunday school, you know, back in those days. Do you, do you remember those? I long for those days. I long for those days. You know, I, I remember when we had All-State Choir. All-State Choir is now gone. But, but when, when my first trip to Dorisville, long before I was your pastor, was when you held All-State auditions here. And my daughter Jennifer, we went to the upper building up there. Y'all were having the myth conference here at Dorisville, and we were up in the other part. Uh, of the building, and Jennifer was applying for all-state choirs. A big deal. You not you just didn't make it. You know, now it doesn't even exist. And people go, boy, I long for the old days. Well, that's kind of what God is saying. He said, hey, do you remember the good old days? He says, well, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to take home from this. Yes, yes, yes. Solomon's temple was totally magnificent in its beauty. Okay, but here's what I want you to get. Any, any, any house of worship, where God is worship. The true beauty of the house of worship is God. The true beauty of the house of worship lies with the creator and not the creation. 
You know, over in Romans chapter 1, verse 23, you know, uh, Paul is talking about the world and says, instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Later on, he says, they worship creation more than the creator. And I am telling you, we have churches today that build idols. And their, their God becomes their building. It's magnificent in all its glory. I remember a story of a church that made sure their, their steeple was the highest thing in town. The highest thing. They want to make sure that their steeple was higher than any other steeple in town. We've got to be careful that we remember that we worship God and not our religion. We worship God and not our denomination. We worship God and not our church. And we certainly worship God and not our facility. Not our facility. We've just got to be careful that we always keep God at the forefront. Well, if you thought God asked a weird question to start with, he asked an even weirder question. Here's what he says. He goes, I suppose, I said, how, how in comparison um, does it look to you now? I mean, you, you've got this foundation built here. How does it look now? It must seem like nothing at all. Gosh, that's a bold question for God, to, a statement and a question to make, you know? Now, how, how, how does it seem, how does it compare, how does what you're doing now compare to the good old days? How does what you're doing now compare to the good old days? It must seem like nothing at all. It's the new versus the old. The new versus the old. God has put us into a new environment, a new set of circumstances. And it would be awful easy for us to say, this seems like nothing at all. I mean, again, every Sunday morning, we come to church and... Um, what used to be a 390 to 320, even higher, um, on some Sundays, is now about 105 or 106. And it'd be awful easy to say, you know, oh, that must seem like nothing at all. But, but I want you to see, it's not the number of people. It's God. It's God. God has never concerned himself with numbers, with exception of the fact that he said, for God so loved the world. That's one number he did concern himself with. But he never was wound up and bound up about this thing called numbers. It must seem like nothing at all. Well, here's the deal. I believe this is all my heart. God is doing something new. The more I have studied for this series and the more I've lived through the last five or six months as your pastor, God is up to something new. And we've got to be willing. Now, listen, listen, listen. We've got to be willing to let go of the past and embrace the future. I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know. I don't know if one day we'll be running 300 again. I don't know if one day we're going to be running 500. Um, someone mentioned a great awakening. That very well could be a reality, that there could be a massive revival. I would pray there'd be a massive revival come out of this. But we don't know what the future looks like. But what I want you to learn tonight, and, and God says it, not just me, is that we've got to be willing to let go of what was to embrace what God is giving us. Did you just grab that? Not what COVID gave us, not what Governor Pritzker gave us, not what the government gave us, but what God has given us. Because again, you need to know you've got a crazy pastor who happens to believe in the sovereignty of God, who happens to believe that God is in control and not circumstances and people. I just, I just happen to believe that with all my heart. 
So, so we've got to be willing to let go of what was hit, what the past, to embrace what he has in his future for us. There, I think I shared with this the first week. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai are all linked together. Okay? Three, three minor prophets, and they all cover the same time frame and really a lot of the same issues that were going on. Well, in Ezra chapter 3, there's something really good. Now, now again, keep in mind, they've, they've come back from Babylon. They've come back from Babylon. Okay, there's nothing there. And they're, they're so excited. Now watch. No one was saying, no one was saying, ain't nothing here. Might, might as well go back to Babylon. Ain't nothing here. Uh, they done tore the walls down, tore the town down, they done tore the church down. Ain't nothing here. We might as well go back to Babylon. There ain't nobody saying that. You know, they're saying, oh man, look, we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to do something great for God. We have the opportunity to rebuild the temple. So for the first two years, it takes them that long to get the foundation of the temple built. Okay? Now, here's what's really cool. When that part is done, when a simple part of building the foundation is done, they have a party. They have a party. In verse number 11 of Ezra chapter 3, it says, They sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. For He is good. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. They had a party because they were able to do something bigger than themselves for God by laying the foundation for the new temple. How incredible was that? And then, and then we got verse number 12. I found this very interesting. I found it almost very convicting. Because he goes on and says this, but many, but many, many of the older priests, um, Levites, and family heads who had seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this temple. Now, 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 they weren't weeping tears of joy. They weren't weeping, oh, thank you, God, we have a foundation for a new temple. They're weeping for the former things. They, they see what apparently is nothing, will never be anything like the past. Will ne- Ooh, hang on to that. Will never be anything like the past. And they started weeping over what was. Now listen, we may well have an opportunity. We're going to have a choice to make. We may well have option A to celebrate and thank God for his new something that he is doing, even though it's totally different from the past, or we can mourn and weep over what we no longer have. It's our choice. It's our choice. And I'm telling you what, if I'm right and God is sovereign and he's doing something new, we're going to be on the right side of history if we choose to celebrate and to worship what God is doing now rather than mourn over what used to be. The 50s aren't coming back. And honestly, 2019 may not either. We just don't know. We just don't know. The, the bad part, oh, we got to be careful. The difficult part is that these, these people, the priests and Levites and family heads that were weeping, these, excuse me, 
these Debbie Downers. I mean, here we are having a party, uh, and we're celebrating God, and these people are going, this is stupid. Why are they celebrating for? It's just, it's, it's a half. It's not even half what it used to be. It will never have the gold leaf. It will never have the gold leaf. It will never have any of that. What are they celebrating? What are they doing? The Debbie Downers? Listen, you'll hear it some next week, but negative transfers easier than positive. Positive will transfer. It's contagious. But negativism can really, really turn things in a south way. And here's what I wonder. I wonder if that's why. Brent could be part of the reason why for 16 years they did nothing. Well, shoot, you know what? You remember the 10 spies? Who won? The ten, you know, the two guys were going, hey, this is great. We can do this, man. Yeah. And oh, no, we can't. Because you see, you don't understand. We're grasshoppers. They're giants, and we're just grasshoppers in their side. In fact, when I look in the mirror, all I see is a grasshopper. Remember that story? Yeah. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Because let me tell you something. Again, if you happen to believe like I do, that God is sovereign and in control, that God is doing something new, we don't want to be found on the wrong side of history. We want to make sure that we're on God's side of history. Amen? I mean, this is huge. This is very, very, very... Listen, I will so far say this. You, can, you may write this down as Wayne said this on this day. It might well be the history of our... I'm sorry, the future of our church hangs on that. You know, how are we going to do business in the future? Oh, I might... You know, it all may turn out that by this time next year, there's a, there's a vaccine and there's a, there's a uh, treatment for those who don't take the vaccine and it's all going to be different. But we don't, but we don't know that. There's one person who knows that. And it's not Donald Trump. And it's not Dr. Fuji or whatever his name is. Fujilami? Fujilami? Well, that's Steakhouse. That's Steakhouse. No, it's not him either. It is God. That's a good place for an amen. God knows. We don't. All, all he says, he says, you don't need to know, just trust me. Only one, we only need one person. <laughs> We only need one person in this room who knows. <laughs> and all the rest of us just need to follow him. And it's God Almighty. It's God Almighty. So, so, so we've got to be willing to let go of the past, okay, and grasp the future. The, you know, the building, a building is not made great because of the building. Here's what makes a great church. A great God and his people. A great God and his people. You know, it's, you know we, we, we get all excited in Africa. You know, uh, we, we go over there and, and we worship and celebrate and all that. And you know what the biggest celebration is? Is when they start a new church. They start a new church. And guess what? There ain't one. Because they understand something we, we struggle with. We think the church is a building. They know the church is people. So they'll go out there and under a tree and we'll say, have we not done this? We're Judy. Have we not done this? We say, where's the church? <laughs> you know, we land on an island, you know? We land on an island. Dave, you remember? We, where's the church? On oh, that tree over there. <laughs> we, we meet under that tree. That's our church. Because church doesn't depend on a building. And church doesn't hinge on tradition. A church depends on God and the obedience of his people. Amen? Amen. So we've got to let go of the past. Because we don't know the past. We, don't, we may get to return to some of the past, but we don't know that. 
We don't know that. You know, Scripture speaks a lot about this. You know, Isaiah 43, verse 18, 19 says this. You know, forget the former things. This is God talking. Forget the former things. The past is past. Leave it there. Learn from the past. We, we have, I, the way I see it, we have an opportunity to learn from the past. There are some things that we need to keep doing or try to return to, but there are some things we need to do differently. So, so, you know, God's Word says, you know, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Say those words with me. I'll say them slow. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Straight from God's Word. Because, see, God is doing something new. And we want to be sure to do what God is doing new, and not just because we've done it in the past, do it again in the past. He goes, look, verse 19, he said, See, see, I am doing a new thing. And he is. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? He's, he's asking, Isaiah's asking the children of Israel, God is, say, hey, don't you see it? Don't you see I'm doing something new? Brothers and sisters, don't you see God is doing something new? This is not an accident. This is not, oops. This is God doing something new and God doing something big. Either loud or sent, he's doing something new and doing something big. Now it springs up, don't you receive it? I am making a way in the desert. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a road through the desert. And I'm bringing refreshment. I'm bringing refreshment in the dryness of the world. I'm doing something new. Uh, Paul knew about forgetting. Paul did. One of my favorite scriptures, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Um, brothers, um, I do not consider myself yet to take it hold. He goes, I've not arrived. I've not figured it out. Okay, he's honest enough to admit that. He says, but there is one thing I do. He says, forgetting what is behind. Paul said, I, I have learned, this one thing I do, I've got to learn to let go of my past. Now, now that's two things for Paul. It's probably two things for you. Paul is saying, I, I, need, I need to let go of my former successes. I mean, he was, did you understand Paul was successful? People sought him out as a Jew. He was, he was respected as a persecutor of those who followed the way. He had friends in powerful places. People, people, people would say, hey, do you know, I, I know Paul or Saul. I know Saul. Do you know Saul? He was rich, powerful, and famous. He had to let go of that. Are there some successes that you need to let go of? Are there some successes that you need to let go of. And then, part two, he had a lot of failures. When all this thing shook up and went down, and he became a Christ follower, he would go into town, and uh, he'd be shaking hands, you know, at the Believer's Fellowship. And uh, he would say to somebody, you look a little familiar. And uh, the lady would say, yeah, you have my husband stoned. He would go into places and people would run from him. Not because of who he is now, but because of what he was. So, but, but Paul said, I'm letting that go. Is there some things that you need to, 
Are there some successes you need to let go of? Are there some failures you need to let go of? Um, oh, 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 is there somebody in your life that has some failures that you need to forgive them of so you can move on? Mm. Mm. He, said, he said, I'm forgetting those things and I'm straining. I'm straining um, toward what is ahead. I'm pushing, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing toward what's new. Paul said, this is my past. I'm pushing toward what's new. Are we going to reach to the back? Or are we going to strain at what's new? What's new? And what was new was is the, the high calling. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me toward heavenward in Christ Jesus. Straining to be obedient to Christ. Straining to embrace what God had that was new. And we're going to make that decision as a church. We're doing pretty good. But we're going to make a decision. Are we going to strain to what God has that is new? You know, a guy named Bill King. Um, I try to check out these people I quote to make sure they're not bad. Um, Bill King. How many of y'all remember the um, cartoon Family Circus? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, he's the, he's the writer. He's the author. He's the drawer, artist, whatever you call it. Okay? And this is kind of cutesy, but it's really true. It's cutesy, but a lot of truth. Here's what Bill King said. Yesterday is history. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. That's cute, but it's true. You know, Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? This is, this is the day. Right now, the present. This is the day the Lord has made. And tomorrow, we get up again and say, Oh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. And then we get up the next day. Oh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. We don't go back to yesterday's vomit like a dog returning to vomit, like Proverbs says. We keep moving forward as God moves forward. Amen? Does this make sense? And, and it's exciting. It's exciting because, one, it's all about God. And two, it's, it's that new refreshment. I know it involves change, but sometimes change is not bad. Sometimes change is actually good. Well, we move on now. Haggai 2.4, and you're going to like this part. Haggai 2.4, because it sounds like Joshua. Yeah, look at this. You know, here's Haggai now saying to this, but now the Lord says, but now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Now remember, Zerubbabel was the governor. So it's almost like he's saying, hey, hey, Zerubbabel, be strong. Use your influence outside the temple for my glory. You're the governor. Sell out to me and use your influence outside the temple for my glory. And then he says, Joshua, or Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, be strong. Be strong. Hey, hey, hey. Joshua, use your influence in the church to bring glory to my name. And then he says to the people, hey, all you people, be strong, all of you. As you journey through life, be strong. Use your influence for the task at hand. So it's really cool. So he says to the, the governor, be strong. 
Use your influence. He says to the priest, be strong, use your influence. And then he says to the people, be strong, use your influence. Be strong, be strong, be strong. These are days, listen, these are not days for the church to be weak. This is not the days for the church to be weak. It is time for us to be strong in him. In him, not us. I wish you could sit in our staff meetings. Because all it is is, what, we, we, what have we canceled this time on the calendar? And we don't understand. I mean, it's not more stupid. No one knows but God. And I'm saying, man, it seems logical to me that we ought to follow the one who knows. I used to have, I had a bicycle when I was a kid. And on the back of the bicycle was one of those little tags. Did you have one of those, Brent? Had a little tag right here on the seat. You know what it said? Don't follow me, I'm lost. <laughs> that's, isn't that funny? That was like when I was in fourth grade. Yeah, you know, that's why we don't need to follow the government, because guess what? They're lost. They're lost. There's only one who knows, and who is it? It is God. It is God. So even though it seems strange, even though it's challenging, even though it's different, we follow the one who knows. And the one we, who knows is, of course, God. So we follow him. And then, let's listen to, listen to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Just listen. Just, just rest in this. Now to him. To the king. David's kind of where you want your scripture. Now, the king, the redeemer, the rescuer, the, the Lord of all. To him who is able to do. Somebody say able to do. So, so see, God's able to do. That's why we can trust him. Woo-hoo, come on. That's why we can trust him. God is able to do. Now, now, if you had somebody who wasn't able to do, you really want to follow him. But if you follow God, he's able to do. Okay, what's he able to do? Well, let's just find out. Now, to him who's able to do above and beyond, above and beyond all that we ask or think. Just let that soak in for a moment. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond what we ask. Take your prayer list. What's on your prayer list? Whatever you wrote down, he's able. Come on now. He's able. Hey, 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 hey. What kind of circumstances you got? He's able. Come on, come on. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything you wish for. I I once prayed for an Abram tank and I didn't get it. And I'm glad I didn't. Okay? But what I'm saying is he's able. There's nothing God can't do. Amen? There's nothing God can't do. He is able. But then he says this crazy word. All that we ask or think. In other words, imagine. I was just doing a reading plan in New Version that talked about this. Imagine. Not only what you can think to ask for, imagine. Let your imagination go wild. That's how big God is. That's how big God is. Imagine, imagine all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, the Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's why we can follow him. He's doing something new and we can follow him. And then you've got to love verse 4b. He's up there. Yeah. And now, and now, get to work. That's what God says. And now, get to work. For I am with you. I am with you. 
Do start now. Start start working. Do it now. Listen, listen to Romans 13, 11. This is all the more urgent, Paul said. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. And Robin, it's getting later by the day. I don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming. He's coming. I don't know how close we are to the edge, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Paul said 2,000 years ago, Paul said, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That's why God said, get to work. Get to work. It's time to work. And, And by the way, at this time they are. He's encouraging them. Because they've not seen better crops. They haven't, you know, the enemies are still there. He's just encouraging them. Go ahead. Keep working. And watch this. I'm with you. That's good, Mom. We'll tell you, isn't it? Now get to work. Hey, hey, keep working. Hey, hey, church, don't be discouraged. Hey, deacons, don't be discouraged. Hey, preacher, don't be discouraged. I'm with you. You're okay. I'm with you. Hebrews 13, 5, the author of Hebrews said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm here. I'm here for the long haul. He told a little virgin girl, you know, she's going to bear the Son of God. And she said, how can these things be? I've never been with a man. Angel said, with God, nothing's impossible. (laughs) Shoot that thing. With God, nothing is impossible. You know, yeah, could there be a great awakening? You better believe it. Could it be the world's greatest revival? There could be it. Could the rapture happen right now? You better believe it. Nothing is impossible with God. But right now, he tells us, and now, get to work. Get to work. You know, Henry Blackaby said this. Great teacher of, of God. You know, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. Find out, put in Dwayne's words, find out where God is working and join him. It's good advice for every church and every, every believer. Um, Rick Warren says, while you're waiting, God is working. And, and you know, God is working. You know, Hudson Taylor, the father of modern missions, said this. Not a relation, by the way. Um, God's work is not man working for God. Let me read that. I know you can read it, but let me read it again. God's work is not man working for God. It is God's own work Often wrought, though often wrought, or done through man's hands. It's all God's work. Colossians 3.23 says this. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Hey, in these pandemic days, whatever you do, number one, do it from the heart. Be sincere in whatever you do. Number two, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not people. What we do, we don't do for man's approval. We do it for God. Amen? Not to earn his approval, but because we love him. Number three, knowing that you will receive the reward of inheritance from the Lord. There's a reward. There's coming a day when we, if we're faithful, we're here well done, good and faithful servant. And then lastly, he says, you serve the Lord Christ. Let's skip on over to Haggai 2.5 and Getting a little short on time. Okay, Haggai 2.5. He goes this. He, my spirit remains with you. 
you know, get to work, get to work. My spirit remains with you. Um, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, you don't need to be afraid. Hey, for us it means this. You know, in that crazy world we had going on before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, that crazy world, God, God, God's for us. God's there. I'm with you. Okay? Um, and th- in the midst of this crazy pandemic, I'm with you. I'm for you. Post-pandemic, he'll still be there. I wrote this morning um, for tomorrow, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. My spirit remains with you. Just, I, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, you don't need to be afraid. Look at me. You don't need to be afraid. You know, the song said it through Christ alone. The final breath. When the final breath comes, he'll be there. He'll be there. If I live to be 90, he's there. If it stops today, he's there. I don't have to fear. So I'm going down to verse number 6 there, Nancy. For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In just a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the dry land. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that not what he's done? Has he not shaken the earth? Do you know that the virus is not just in Slane County? Did you know it's not just in the state of Illinois? Did you know it's not just America? It's just not Europe, Asia. It's around the world. God has, I believe, God has shaken this world. It has caused people to stop, pause, and reflect. I think on life. And about our purpose and being. Amen? Amen? I think it does. I think it's real. I will shake the world. And by the way, I need to pause there. As a teacher, I need to be very careful. You understand I'm drawing parallels and principles here. This was written to Israel long before Christ. So I'm drawing parallels and principles. Don't think I'm saying Haggai wrote this to us directly. I know he wrote to Israel. Okay? But I think God is shaking the world. Now, out there on our wall, going to the other building, the connector, this verse is up there across from our mission pictures. It says, The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. Listen, I am doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Now keep in mind what I've just said about principles and parallels. Does that not sound like the pandemic to you? I'm doing something you wouldn't believe. I'll prove it to you. Who in here has not said, I just can't believe this? Anybody here not said that? I just can't believe this. Cancel the fat, fan, cancel the final four? March Madness? I can't believe that. Cancel every major sports? I can't imagine. I can't believe that. It, it so describes. Now, I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Don't miss this. God is doing something. I'm not smart enough to know it, and no preacher is. 
but he's slowly revealing it to us. All I know is this. We've got to be ready as the church to do what he asked us to do. Can you say amen to that? Can you say amen to that? You know, John Piper said something that's just amazing. He said, in every situation, in every circumstance, in every situation, every circumstance of your life, God is always doing a thousand different things that you cannot see and you cannot know. All these things are happening around us that we don't see and we don't know. You remember, you remember John eleven twenty five, Jeremy? You talked about that in your sermon about you know in that a thousand ninety five days that Jesus walked on the earth. That that if all the things were written down, that that the world could not hold the books. Do you remember that that scripture? Let me blow your mind. I bet. Now that was written about Jesus and his ministry in a small part of the world. Reckon how many books would have to be read to describe what God does every minute of every day around the world. Around the world. God's always constantly moving all the, the uh, probably a minute of God's act, woo, a, a minute of God's activity around this world would fill the world's books with all that he is doing. Amen. That's how big God is. That's how much he is working and how much he is doing. Yes, verse 7, I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God gave me a thought. One is this. Where it says, I will shake, this might well be a missions verse. I will shake all the nations. And the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. God's greatest treasure are his redeemed. God's treasure are all his redeemed. The temples are indeed being filled with the treasure. And then what the slide said, what I wrote, the greatest treasure that the, redeemed, that the redeemed can know. The greatest treasure that the redeemed can know is the presence and glory of Almighty God. Wow. That's what it's all about, folks. I don't know all that he's doing. I admit it. I do know this. He's sovereign, he's in control, and he's working. And, and part of what has to happen before we can fully embrace all of that is we've got to let go of this. I don't know what the post-pandemic, I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be, but I've got to be willing to let this go so can I embrace this. You know, if my arms are full of stuff, in order to give Judy a hug, I've got to drop the stuff. But in order to embrace and love God as we need to, we've got to drop the stuff and free ourselves up. To love him. Now, I want to encourage you. There's a few more verses we didn't get to. Um, I want you to be sure and read those later on, okay? Again, if you had the worship app, you've got the scriptures there, and you can follow up with that. But what I want you to take home tonight is this. If your father, your dearest father, is in control. We can trust him. We can trust him. And he's telling us, now's not a time to be discouraged. Now's not a time to quit. Not, now's not the time to go. I just can't believe that we're only running this number or that number. Now is the time. Now is the time to say, God, I'm here. What do you want me to do? 
Well, I don't know all that you're doing, but I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Let's pray. Hey, Father, thank you so very much um, for the privilege of sharing tonight. Oh, thank you, Father, for Haggai being obedient and writing these words. And yes, Lord, there are principles and parallels that we can draw from. Lord, help us to trust you even when we don't understand, even when we get frustrated and we get fearful and sometimes even angry. Help us to trust you. Um, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. You are a God who can be trusted. And I'm thankful for that. Well, if there's someone that's heard this message today and they've never put their faith and trust in your son, oh, I pray today would be the day that they would do that. Lord, help them to see you as you are. A God who loves his creation and desires for them to come into relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Give them the wisdom to turn from their sin and to follow him. That commitment for a lifetime and beyond. Father, for us, your children, Lord, help us to be about your your business. You said when you were a young 12-year-old boy, you said, I need to be about my father's business. Lord, help the church to realize these are days to be about the father's business. There's not time. There's not time for us to long for the past when you're writing a glorious new future. Help us to embrace that. We love you, Jesus, and pray this.